we have done a lot of talking here in recent days about following Jesus. And that's part of what we want to do, will do, as Christian people. And part of that, I have shared with you quite a bit about participating, not being spectators, serving, following commands, sacrificing ourselves, denying ourselves so that we can follow the Lord and in fact, even the concept of Scripture says, lose your life for his sake, and you will find it. But I am aware, and I know you are, that all of that takes a great deal of energy. All of that takes a great deal of commitment on your part. And sometimes, for us human beings, you, me, <coughs> we get weakened we just don't follow through with some of the commands that Jesus gives to us. We know that we should do thus and so and thus and so, but we just don't quite get there. And so I've thought about that a good bit lately, and I've prayed about that, and I was talking to a good friend of mine over this past week. Well, I think it was actually, well, it was just earlier in this past week, and talking about the fact that we are talking to the church, you, we, all of us talking together about uh, serving and performing and being the warriors even, that's a term that I've used, that we're called to be as Christian people, that we can't just sit by and let things sort of slide. However, that takes getting in shape and being the kind of I'll even use the word athletes, uh, that servants that we're supposed to be. And so this friend of mine was saying, well, you know, it, it, it's important for an athlete to, to exercise, to be trained, and then to be fed. And I thought about that. And I thought, well, uh, as Christian people, what are we to eat? Now, I know we eat. I imagine all of us eat pretty well. And that's a good thing, food and nourishment. But what are we to have as far as the nourishment of our spirit, the nourishment of our commitments, the nourishment of our Christian faith? And so in praying about that, and seriously, I love this sort of thing I'm about to say, I absolutely know that somewhere during the middle of the week, the scripture in the Second Corinthians 5, where Paul is already working diligently with the people in Corinth. He is teaching them, training them, sacrificing for them, and he makes a very bold statement in the, the 14th chapter, I mean, excuse me, the 4th. 14th verse, excuse me, of chapter 5, where he says, we are compelled by the love of Christ. Christ's love compels us. And I want you to think about that for a moment, because when I thought about that verse, and the Lord, I believe, gave it to me, 
And we know that Scripture teaches us, and I want to apply that very specifically to this whole business of us as Christians being nourished, uh, having nutrition into our spirit. And so I would say to you that then part of what we're going to talk about today is this love of Christ that nourishes you and me so that, and that's an important two words, so that we can be the servants, the disciples, if you would, that Jesus asked us to be. But we have the wonderful love of Jesus Christ uh, in his presence in our life so that we can serve. Now, I want you to think for just a moment about the word compel, because we're saying Christ's love compels us. Now, sometimes when we're compelled to do something, we may not like it. You know, I mean, fortunately, this has never happened to me. I will be honest with you, but if a sheriff comes along and compels me to go to jail, I'm not going to like that. I remember I said that's never happened to me. <laughs> but compelled sometimes is a forced issue. Uh, if you're in a job that sometimes is distasteful, and yet you're compelled to do that job, and you have to get out there and sweat or uh, sacrifice yourself or spend a lot of time on that particular job, being compelled in that regard is not really always a pleasant, positive thing. So compelled, to be compelled, can have some negative connotations, but that's not what I see here. I want you to think about the fact that the love of Christ motivates. Isn't that a better word than forced? Uh, the love of Christ encourages us to do. The love of Christ empowers us. And that is true, and I want to say that emphatically. And so when Scripture talks about, in this verse that I'm referring to, where the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian Christians and says to you and me that Christ's love compels us, then I want you to realize that that is nourishment for your spirit, that the love of Christ is something that if and when we have it and when we take it in, it's what helps us to follow Jesus. It's what helps us to live according to the scriptures and according to what he has to say. Now, the love of Christ, the love of God, uh, that is a basic theme to our Christian faith and part of what we're celebrating here today all the way to the point of coming to the table and remembering the love that Jesus showed us on the cross. But I want to listen to a song for here in just a moment. I've asked us to play this video in just a bit, but I want to share a few words about this because this song is familiar, it's well-known, it's a beautiful, powerful song. Uh, it's called The Love of God. And I want you to realize that this song has been around for, well, it, 
It was actually formed and written and put together in the early 1900s. And so it's a very old and favorite and amazingly powerful song. But even some of the story behind this song, uh, part of this song was written by a man by the name of Frederick Lehman, who was a German immigrant that came to this country and wrote part of it. And he wrote the first two stanzas of it, of this, The Love of God. But he was earnestly seeking to write or to have a third stanza. Apparently, back in those early days, you had to have three stanzas to him. You couldn't just have two. I'd never heard that before, but they say that you had three stanzas because of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Mr. Lehman was earnestly seeking, and he just didn't have that third stanza of this song, The Love of God. And then somewhere along the way, he came across a poem or a statement that somebody had found written on the wall of a prison cell. And the prisoner that was in that cell apparently had been executed or had died. And nobody knew how that got written on the wall of his cell. But some painters were in there to paint the cell after this man had died. And they found this verse, this poem written on the wall, and they wrote it down. And somewhere along the way, Mr. Lehman, Frederick Lehman, the writer of this hymn, The Love of God, found this poem and he included it as his last stanza of his song. Now I want to read this poem and then we're going to listen to some of Bill Gaither's singers. I'm sort of a Bill Gaither fan. I hope some of you are and it's beautiful and powerful and worshipful. And we're going to have a video where they sing this for us. But this is what was written on that prison wall. It says, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, and were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forever more endure the saints and angels' song. Now, as we worship with this beautiful song, please understand that for you and me, this love of Christ, this love of God, what he gives to us through his love is nourishment and strengthening and power for us to be good disciples. Let's listen to the song. I want to propose to you that we are blessed with the strongest motivation and encouragement and empowerment that I know of as we experience the love of God and that he has given that freely and completely and for you and I's benefit. I believe when we know how much we are loved, 
in this case by our Heavenly Father, by Jesus himself, then we are just bound to move and we're bound to serve and we're bound to participate. Now, I want to tell you a little little personal thing here. I have the privilege, have had the privilege for 54 years of being a father to my two daughters. And it is one of the blessings of my life because Christy and Sherry, I was privileged to be their dad. I am privileged to be their dad. And particularly when they were young and when they were growing up as young ladies and they were in the midst of Virginia Beach and living down in the beachfront and going to First Colonial High School and they were beautiful young ladies and they were a blessing to Mickey and me. And I'm convinced that because I knew the love of God, then I was able to then love my daughters and to benefit them and to communicate with them and to visit with them and to play with them and to tease with them and to discipline them and to, to go to band concerts and musical events for my older daughter and to go to basketball games and track meets for my younger daughter. And I don't think during those high school years that I missed one band concert I missed one track meet in three years. And I was in Chicago visiting my older daughter at Wheaton College. And I drove back here all night that night to get back to see my daughter run in the state meet the next day. I loved my daughters. And you know what? They were motivated to be young women that love the Lord and love me. And because of that, their behavior, their life, their lifestyle has been something that I've been so proud of to this very day. Now, they're 54 and 51. They remind me of that often, that I'm a lot older than they are. And that's okay. But now, as women of the Lord, wives, mothers. I am so proud, but I know that it was because of the love that we shared. Love motivates. Criticism doesn't. Harshness doesn't. Anger doesn't. No. A lot of the world has got it all wrong. Surprisingly, no, not surprisingly at all. And I'm so thankful that I can say to you that I've had this kind of relationship with Christian Sherry over these years. But my illustration is, is the fact that God's love, his love for you, love for me, it will also motivate if we will just take it in if we will just receive the kind of love that he gives. Do we have that love? Does he share that kind of love? Let me read the scripture to you. Because I would say yes, absolutely. So this says in 1 John, the fourth chapter, 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now that's verse 9 and 10 of 1 John 4. But verse 19 says, we love because he loved us first. Do you understand? This is the key to being a disciple. It's what you and I need is this kind of love that comes from God and it empowers, encourages, and makes us able. It actually gets us in shape so that we can serve as we're supposed to serve. And so I want to emphasize that as far as becoming disciples. Now, there's another passage in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 16 through 19. Listen carefully because it says so much. This is, again, Paul writing to the Christians in Ephesus. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, meaning the Lord and his love, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he's saying strength and power comes when we have this loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he says, and I pray that you, listen carefully to these words, I pray that you being rooted and established In what? In love. I pray that you being rooted and established. Now, how are we going to get there? How are we going to be rooted and established? Jesus has already done his work. You know that. The cross is behind me right now representing part of that work. The table is in front of us representing that work. Jesus has already done his work, but it's saying here that I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that's up to you and me. We've got to apply ourselves to that. We've got to accept that. We've got to live in that love. And it says rooted and established in love, and it goes on to say, and therefore may have power. Do you understand that that's what we're talking about? For us to be disciples, we have to have power. You have to have strength. You have to have being in shape. Well, that comes primarily from the love of Christ in us. So in this love established, rooted, we may have power together with all the saints. All the saints, that's the fellowship of the church. The fellowship of believers. That's part of where... We are learning, we develop this ability to accept the love of Jesus Christ. So you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now listen to that again. That is just as big as it can get, this love of Christ that we have available to you and me that we are able to grasp. Now, what do you do when you grasp something? You reach out and you take it. 
You grab hold of it. You hang on with all your might. (laughs) And that's what this is saying as far as the love. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. Do you understand how big this love is? Do you understand how powerful it is? Do you understand that it is available to you and me? It's not way off in the distance somewhere. It's right within you because you have Christ in your life. I have Christ in my life. And so this love is available. So it surpasses all knowledge so that you may be filled. Listen, though, this is such a good statement. So that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Of God. Now, think about that. This love that we're talking about, this love of Christ that compels us, this love that is available to us, allows us to experience the full measure of Almighty God. Now that means that you and I have a key to the divinity of God himself through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through the presence of Jesus Christ and his love in our life. Strengthened, nourished, empowered to be disciples. Now, this love, it is freely given. Do you know that in your love relationships in your life, there's always conditions? Now, that's unfortunate because because conditional love causes a lot of turmoil in family relationships, in marriages, in church families, when we put conditions on each other. Does God put conditions on you? His is unconditional love. Scripture says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No conditions. All we need to do is to accept. Now, after accepting, like with my daughters, when they accepted my love, they obeyed, they acted, they developed good lifestyles. You and I, once we accept the love of Christ and it compels us and does its work in us, then we move and do, yes. We accept those commands. But we don't do it just in our own power. We are doing it because of this unconditional love, and it's freely given. Unconditional love is not selfish. We have, we're all selfish. We've talked about that. And so we have ability to have this unselfish love from the love of Christ. And when you receive it, remember it is power. It's strengthening you. And when you receive it, It will produce miracles, it will produce freedom, it will produce peace. Do you understand that this is the love that we have? Miracles and freedom and peace. You want peace? Then let the the love of Christ compel you. Accept what he has given. He said that he would give you peace. Now, I talk to people a lot about worrying and anxiety and fears. That's a part of our life. 
That's a part of your struggles. Well, this love of Jesus Christ giving the peace that comes from that, that's the foundation. That's the way you get away from fear, anxiety, worry, all of that. Because we have this kind of love. And God's love, this wonderful, beautiful love, forgives and forgets. Now, we know we talk about it being forgiving, this love. What a joy that is when we are, when the slate is clean, my sin is gone. Not because of me, but because of what he's done. But do you understand that God forgets? There's a song, and I, I haven't heard it in a long time, but the song is, is it's called What Sin? And the theme of the song is when, when we've sinned and then we accept Christ and we live in his love, he forgets the sin. And so even though we remember the sin, he would say, what sin? I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. Because scripture says that he puts it as far as the east is from the west. Why? Because of the love and the forgiveness that he gives to you and me. And the fact is, as this song a moment ago said, as other scriptures say, his love, the love that empowers you and me, that nourishes you and me, it endures forever. There's a, there's a couple of Psalms uh, that talk about this. One is Psalms 118. Starts with verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord, who reverence the Lord, who worship the Lord say, his love endures forever. Let you and I say, his love endures forever. Let King's Grant Baptist Church say, his love endures forever. And in that love, we live and move and serve. And therefore, we're nourished, strengthened, and put into shape to be the disciples that Jesus Christ asked us to be. The love of Jesus compels us. Please think about that for just a moment as we prepare to come to this table. Because this is the very symbol of his love. That cross that's behind me is the very symbol of his love. The fact is, is that we are blessed and we can come to this table as often as we want to because he said to do this in remembrance of him, to know, to be able to serve, to celebrate, to worship through this table. But as you take this today, please take in the love that empowers us to be who we're to be as Christian men and women, disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's pray for a moment, please.